Well, good morning. Hey, Happy New Year. We are glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, thank you for uh, just being here and being a part of what God is doing in this new year. Uh, it is also incredibly different weather than the last time we met, so uh, good news there for all of us. Hey, uh, if you are new here to Bridgewater, like David said, we just want to welcome you here. My name is Matt. I have the joy and honor of being the campus pastor here. And uh, we are in our series, uh, we're, we're looking at a series called Reset, asking the question, are you ready for change? As David was talking about the life change uh, stories that we hear around here, that we believe life change is possible for everybody at any place, at any time, that God is in the business of, of taking us from where we don't want to be to where we want to be. And that's what the series really is designed to do, is to help each of us as we consider the new year, as we consider the things that we may uh, want to be true in the new year. How do you actually get to a life of Change? How do you begin to live, act, believe, think, and behave the way that ultimately God desires, but if I were to bet in a way that you perhaps want to begin uh, to act, believe, and respond to life? If you didn't get a chance to catch our online service uh, last week, we kind of kicked this series off uh, by looking at uh, really just this idea that we talked about both in communion and in this testimony that when we come to faith in Jesus, it is not just a come to Jesus as you are and stay that way forever. It is come to Jesus and be radically transformed by his amazing love to be an, a different person. In fact, 2 Corinthians said it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning they have made Jesus the leader and forgiver of their life, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. And so as we've been talking about this idea of, of new life and change, we talk about it in terms of New Year's resolutions. Now, I don't know how you feel about New Year's resolutions. Maybe you, you love them. You try them every year. You try them every week. I, I don't know uh, what kind of resolutions you make. Maybe for you, change is terrifying. You don't even like change. Um, if you're going to be honest, your Christmas tree might still be up because why change the season? It's so fun and gorgeous, right? Maybe for some of you, you love change. You live for change so much so that maybe you need to change a few less things periodically because you're changing things so often. You're rearranging your furniture every other week, hoping to find the right setting. But, but how do we pursue real change? Because I don't know what was true for you in 2022. Maybe there's some things in there that you wish weren't true. What I do know is this, the things that you didn't like in 2022, don't have to be true this coming year. Just because it has been true in your life up to this point doesn't mean it always has to be true forever. We are not captives to our situations and our circumstance and our beliefs and our behaviors. We have the ability to change. Perhaps you need a new season, which is what Ecclesiastes 3 talked about. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. There was a time for that, and maybe that time has ended, and it's time to look at something new. And we encourage you to look at your life in these five categories. Spiritually, in regards to your family, your social life, your physical, and work. As we evaluated these, we said, all right, what are some good things in each of these categories that I want to continue to do going into the new year? Then, as you evaluate these categories, what are some things in my life that perhaps need to change in regards to this, right? So we gave some examples of looking at your family. Maybe something good that you did this year was you were really intentional around dinner time and, and you were just all in and focused. And that's a great thing to continue uh, to build into your life because it's going to bring about the type of family environment that ultimately you want and God desires for you as we are intentional. So maybe there's some negative things perhaps in your work life and you really want to work on those. So that was the challenge we gave you last year, we kind of, or last week, we kind of ended by asking this question, and it's really the question for the whole series, is what does God think is possible for my new year? 
Because as I look into the new year, um, I can think and I can dream, but, but sometimes I think small. Sometimes I don't see all that God really could be doing. And we want to ask the question, uh, not only does it matter what I want to change, is that there is a God who has a plan and a purpose for my life. and I want to hear what it is. I want to know what it is. And I want to follow it because he is a great God with a great design and a great plan. And I bet you it's a little bit better than the plan that I have in my life. So that's what we're going to talk about, because as, as you consider this change, uh, what I know to be true about my life, what I know to be true perhaps, maybe, possibly about your life, is that we want this. We try this. We work for this. But we don't always get it, do we? Like we can set out with all these goals and all these high aspirations and really believe that things are going to change, but we just come up short, right? We, we just don't have what it takes. Well, here's what I know to be true of the Word of God. What it reveals to us is not only does God give us the desire to change, not only does He give us the ability to change, He gives us the power to change. See, I don't have what it takes to reach the better life. I don't have what it takes to change myself. Trust me, I've, I've tried, and it's frustrating. But what God offers us through the work of His Holy Spirit is not only the ability and the desire, but then the power to change. You see, this process of changing, there's a, a word for it, it's called sanctification. This word sanctify means this, to set apart for a particular use and a special purpose or work, to make holy. You see, when we accept Jesus as the leader and forgiver of our life, he recognizes and God recognizes that we, left to our own devices, do not have what it takes to live the life God calls us to live, which is perhaps why some of you have been so frustrated by trying to live the Christian life because you see what you're supposed to do and you just see yourself falling short all the time. Well, God knows that to be true about us, and so he gave us his Holy Spirit that he would come live and empower us to sanctify us, to change us for a purpose. See, when you became a Christian, it wasn't just so that you got to go to heaven. It was because God set you apart for a particular use, that God has a special purpose for your life. And I bet there's some things and patterns in my life that need to go if I'm going to reach the special purpose, to make holy, to, to leave behind sin. Well, in the book of Galatians, we're going to turn there in a little bit. Don't, you can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. But in the book of Galatians, what's taking place is that the Apostle Paul has gone and he has planted a church in Galatia. Well, the city of Galatia became incredibly confused, or the church of Galatia became incredibly confused because Paul came and Paul preached the gospel to them, which meant, according to the gospel, that there is nothing we can do to earn God's favor. We are only accepted by God because of what Jesus did on the cross, right? So there is there's nothing that I did to earn this. It was a free gift, free forgiveness, free grace. Well, what happened was after... Uh, Paul came and preached this message, and they got saved. There was a bunch of uh, teachers that came from Israel who came up and said, okay, okay, sure, Jesus is cool, but here's the deal. You still have to follow the Old Testament law as well. So it is Jesus plus the Old Testament law. Well, if you're unfamiliar with it, the Old Testament law is steeped in, in rules and traditions and, and good things. What it was meant to do was to reveal to us the holiness of God that God cares about us living rightly in every area of our life. It was meant to reveal that, but it was also meant to reveal man's inability to please God on their own. It set the standard at perfection, and we couldn't keep it. It was a precursor to Jesus coming to pay the price for our imperfection to bring us into right relationship with God. So these teachers came into Galatia and said, okay, that's fine, you can have Jesus, but you have to follow the Old Testament law too. 
Well, they became incredibly confused, thinking, I thought this was free forgiveness. I thought this was changed life by grace. Now I have to work for this too? What, what's going on? Well, Paul's going to speak then to this issue of, of what do you do with uh, working hard and trying hard, and where does that fit with the promise of God to bring about life change? So Galatians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. If you don't have one, by the way, we would love to give you one for free back at the Welcome Center. If not, it'll be on the screen here behind me. Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? He asks this kind of rhetorical question, and he says, listen, you received the Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? What he's saying is, when you came into faith, it was not because you worked for it. It was not because you tried. It was because you heard the message of Jesus, and the message of Jesus is that God has come to pay for our sins, and as a result of believing that, the promise he gives us is the Holy Spirit. So after Jesus was uh, crucified, buried, and resurrected, he came back to his disciples and said, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to send you a helper. What he was referring to was his Holy Spirit, who was going to help empower us to live that life. Well, what Paul is saying here is that we did nothing to earn that. So why do we now begin to think that it's Jesus plus our hard work that gets us approved by God? He's saying, no, it's not. You don't get saved by a free gift and then you, you become changed because you work really hard because you white-knuckled. He said, no, it's because you received something. Because you received the gift and life of the Holy Spirit in you. And so as you consider change, I'm sure there's some things that you're, you're chasing. Maybe you're trying to be a better parent. You're trying to be a better coworker. You're trying to be a better spouse. You're trying to eat healthy. You're trying to chase all of this change, and it's exhausting, isn't it? And then you come to church, and we're like, be in small group. And you're like, one more thing in the week. Serve, one more thing in my week, right? Like, it just feels a lot. What I offer to you this morning is because we're living life not by His Spirit, but by ours. We're pursuing change not be, by uh, asking for the God who is all-powerful to fill us with his spirit to do these things, but because we're trying out of our own might to be different, to please God, and we think if we can finally clean ourselves up enough, we'll get what it is that we're chasing. When the whole time what God is offering is true change. If you get nothing this morning, here's what I want you to get. True change is available only through the life-transforming work of the Holy Spirit. As you consider your walk with the Lord, how much of a part is the Holy Spirit in your life? If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, uh, you may be thinking, what are they talking about? What we're talking about is being in a connected relationship with God. Maybe, maybe this will help. As you consider a relationship with God, I think maybe this, this analogy will help illustrate it. Let's say you went to this musical performance. And it was this big a grand opera or orchestra. And as you were sitting there, you were watching somebody uh, play an instrument just uh, magically. It just, it just awestruck you and thought, oh, I want to figure out how to play the piano like that or the cello or whatever. So you go home and you buy yourself an instrument and you say, you know what? This is going to be the year that I'm changed and I'm going to be a great, great musician. And you start playing and you realize perhaps it's not your gifting, but you're a little determined. So you try some more. 
And you get some books, and you watch some YouTube videos, and you hear this, there's this cool app that helps you learn how to play guitar. And like two weeks in, it still sounds pretty terrible, like your kids with a recorder. No offense to kids with recorders, but you just, you just kind of know. Well, then you're determined that like this is not going to be the end. So you maybe get some lessons. Well, a month goes by, and at the end, you just kind of resolve to the fact that you don't have what it takes. You don't, you don't have the perseverance. You realize all the practice it's going to require of you. So you just settle for watching really good performances on YouTube. You just, you know, I'm just going to watch this take place because I can't figure out how to do it myself, so I'll just enjoy. Perhaps that's a little bit like your Christian experience. You came in and you realized that God had something you wanted. God had changed life. God had hope. God had peace. God, God offered these things. And you tried it. And you really did. And, and, and you tried out some Christian practices. And you went to small group. And you, and you did those things. But you just felt like you kept coming up short. And so you've settled to just watch a performance. To enjoy what somebody else is doing. And not experience the life change yourself. What we hope this series offers for all of you is not only the desire, but the pathway and the perseverance to bring about the life change that you really want to see happen. Paul's going to kind of lay out what it looks like to live this life following the Spirit, practicing daily what it means to follow God. So let's jump over to Galatians chapter 5. It says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. So I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so, they are not, so you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul says, okay, you want to understand what it means to daily live your life with the Spirit? Well, here's what it is. You walk with Him, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Because there is this war. This war that Paul is talking about is that there is this desire in my heart to do whatever I want, whenever I want. And if you read uh, verse 17, it says, They are in conflict so that you do not, you are not to do whatever you want. Can I tell you that that sentence alone stands so contrary to everything we hear? If you listen to the narratives around us outside of God's word, it is do what makes you happy, do what pleases your heart. Do what feels good to you. And can I tell you that is not the metric of a life led by God? And living your life that way will not lead you to ultimately the things that you want. Now, in the short term, it might gratify the desires of your heart in the moment. But you make those decisions over a long period of time. It will never lead you to the life change you want. What he's saying is you have to realize there is this battle that I don't get to do everything that I want to do. I have to say no. Well, prior to the Holy Spirit coming into your life and providing the conviction, there was no battle. You didn't know right from right. You didn't know God's standards. You didn't know those things. But when we do get saved, we do get the conviction of the Holy Spirit. In his loving kindness, you'll feel this, I call it the Holy Spirit's prick. You're getting ready to say something and you go, ow, what was that? It wasn't my wife. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that. Okay. <laughs> right? You're getting ready to respond to something. You're getting ready to, to commit an action, and you just feel this like, oh, like sinking pit in your chest. What is that? It's not indigestion from tacos last night. It's God saying, hey, you don't have to go that way. You don't have to respond the way you've always responded. I have the power through the Holy Spirit that I don't have to follow the way 
sin anymore. I can choose differently. Because here's the thing that you could, you could go through this whole series and we could talk about life change. And you could change some behaviors and you could change some attitudes and, and your life would probably be better for it. But that's not what God is after. What God is after is not just us changing external behaviors. It's that he would change our very nature. God doesn't want to just change my behavior. He doesn't want me to just clean it up. It's not the behavior. He wants my nature changed. What does that mean? It means that I don't look like Matt now in 20 years. It means that in 20 years, there's less sin in my life, hopefully. There's less conflict in my life. There's less distrust in my heart that that very nature of who I am is less like me and more like God. And so the Holy Spirit is, is internal. He is moving on your heart so that your heart becomes new. Well, as you talk about this conflict, Paul's going to lay out this conflict very clearly for us that we would see the things that shouldn't be true of our nature anymore and the things that should become part of our nature. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. So this is the negative nature that we are trying to leave behind. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. As you read this list, I want you to notice the, the, the wide range of things that he mentions in here. He, he puts envy in the same list as witchcraft. He puts dissensions in the same list as idolatry meaning none of us escape this. We all find ourselves with this nature inside of us that pulls us in the wrong direction. And maybe you read this list and you go, I'm not that bad. I don't struggle with any of those things. Well, trust me, this isn't an exhaustive list. His point is simply to prove there is a broken desire in all of us. And if we let it go, it will lead us to destructive places and it will not lead us to enjoy uh, the life that God has given us. And so he says, we have to leave behind that. Now, here's the deal. You don't have what it takes to do it on your own. I do not have the willpower, the strength, or the determination to leave behind envy for the rest of my life on my own. Now, I can try. I can put forth some concentrated effort, but I'll fail. I'm just not strong enough. And God knows that about you. And you know what? It's okay. Can I tell you, if you would come to that place of surrender sooner, you'd find freedom sooner? That if we let go of trying to do this on our own and begin to just receive the change that God wants to give us, we'd find a changed heart much sooner. Then he goes on to contrast. So we leave behind those things because that Jesus died so that we don't have to live that way anymore. He also died so that we could begin to live this way. But the fruit of the Spirit, meaning the, the, the fruit, the response, the joy that you get from living life with God, here's what you receive. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's just pause right there. I would, I'm not a betting man, but if I was to bet this morning, I would say, you want this. You want this life. You want this to be true. I don't think anybody would stand up here and say, you know what? My goal this year is to be less gentle. My goal this year overall is to be less kind, less loving, and less joyful. Like, of course not. Right? We all want this, and here's the thing. 
we can have it. It is not something elusive. It is not something far off. It is not mysterious. It is a direct result of living life with God. It says, against such things there is no law. Meaning, if we live this way, following God becomes second nature. It's not a fight. It just becomes who we are. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Meaning, we put to death that old list. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Living a life with the Spirit means every day walking in tune with our desires being changed to God's desires. Can I just be honest with you this morning? That is not always true in my life. I'm not there yet. I haven't figured it all out. I don't exhibit, you can ask my wife, I don't exhibit this entire list of fruits of the Spirit every day. What is it? It's daily practice. Right? You don't, you don't become Luke or Laura or any one of these musicians because you just woke up one day and decided to be it. I wish that's how it worked, but it's not. They're, they're as good as they are as musicians and the whole team because I bet you they practice all the time. Because they, they don't do other things, perhaps, like sitting on the couch and watching TV. And so they, they get up and practice. And so if I want these things to be true in my life, if I want love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness to be true in my life, I have to practice them. I have to get up and make an intentional effort to not do the negative things and to choose the fruits of the Spirit, which is my question for you today. As you consider that list, what fruit of the Spirit will you intentionally cultivate this year? We're going to continually ask you kind of every week a question to think about over the course of this year. But as you consider that list, you go, you know what? I want this to be the thing I'm going to focus on this year. And here's the list for you again in case you missed it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As you look at this list, you go, you know what? If I'm being really honest, I really need to work on patience. As I am at the work environment and people come up to me, I can just be short. I can be curt. I can be whatever it is for you. Maybe it's, it's kindness as you respond to your kids, as you respond to your spouse. Maybe for you, it's joy. By and large, there hasn't been a lot of joy in your life this year. You, you've sat and it looked like you've sucked on a lemon all year long. And maybe there's some real hardship behind that. I'm not negating the difficulties of life. But the promises of God are in the face of the difficulties of life. That joy is not predetermined by our circumstances. Joy is determined by our future hope. Promise of a relationship with God. His nearness in our difficulty that, that our worst days won't be all our days. So as you consider this, I want you to consider this next piece. And I, I ask this, what would you cultivate? Here's what cultivate means. To foster the growth of. To improve by labor, care, or study. We aren't going to accidentally fall into changed life. We'll get there by being intentional, by creating environments in our life where we're pursuing growth. As you consider a garden, if you want things to grow, you have to work that soil. You have to begin to, to pull out the weeds, pull out the rocks, which would be, uh, if we're going to use this metaphor in our life, to pull out the negative things, to pull out the negative influences, the, the things that just shouldn't be in your life anymore. Weed those out. Work the soil. Get your heart ready in the necessary environment for growth, which is why we're always talking about small groups, because I need other people to help encourage me in my growth process. I need other people to say, Matt, that was super unkind of you. Knock it off. I love you. Choose differently, right? Like I need that environment. 
And you have to create that environment to grow, but here's what you can't do. You can't create soil, or you can't take soil, remove the rocks, remove the roots, remove the weeds. You can plant, but you can't force that thing to grow. You can't make a plant grow. You can set the environment for it, but that growth is ultimately God's, which relieves us of some obligation in our life. If we would just do the simple things that God has called us to do to create an environment where he can work in our life, where he can speak to us in the mornings, he will bring about the growth you desire. These are not the fruits that we do to get God's spirit. These fruits are a result of having God's spirit in our life, of responding to him. And so here's what I want you to do. As you consider this list, it would be so easy for you to take this list and then go home and try really, really hard. And I would have failed you. So what I want you to do is I want you to take that word and I want you to every time you wake up, every time you come into a meeting, every time you come into an environment where you're tempted to respond out of the flesh, would you just pause? Pause. Say, God, I need you. Holy Spirit, I want to say some things that are unkind. Would you come change my nature? Would you help me speak kind words? Amen. That's it. It's not weird. It's not complicated. It's not scary. It's simply surrender. And then when you walk in that room and somebody makes a comment to you and you want to say that thing and you feel the Taco Bell or the Holy Spirit, you're not sure, you just respond. Say, I don't have to. I don't have to do whatever my flesh wants. I get to choose a different life. I tell you, you do it once. It's going to feel so good, you're going to want to do it again. You're going to do it a third time and a fourth time. It's going to feel amazing to know you don't have to respond with negativity. You don't have to do whatever it is that you don't want to do. And then you'll find yourself free. And then you'll find yourself living the life that God called you to live. Seeing the changed person in the mirror that you've been hoping to see for a long time. Why? Because your nature changed. Because you let God come in and move where only he could move. So practically, how I want to help you out is I know that our phones are uh, prevalent in our life and perhaps uh, are where we go to when we're stressed or when we're... So I want to put something in your hands that will help you uh, respond to this. So we've created some screensavers. Go ahead and throw up. These are a couple of them, uh, some screensavers that you can take and put on your phone. There's one for each of the fruit so that you can look down and remind yourself. Um, So I have one set for when I go home. It's the screensaver that comes up because there's some things I'm really trying to work on at home. I have one that when I'm at the workplace, it comes up while I'm at work because of some things I'm really trying to uh, work on and be intentional at work. So when I walk into a meeting and check my phone for any text messages, the first thing I see is patience. All right. God, would you bring about patience in my heart as I walk into this meeting? So uh, go ahead and go to the next screen there. If you have your phones, here's what I would encourage you to do. Take them out. I know you may not have them here, so we'll post this on the Facebook page later. But if you go ahead and scan that QR code, so you're going to open up your camera app, and then you're going to uh, put it on that logo. Let me get out of the way here. Uh, you're going to put it on that logo, and there should be a little yellow bar that pops up. And it's going to take you to a Dropbox link. And then within that Dropbox link, you can download uh, any one of those screensavers. If you want to download all of them, go ahead. What I would not recommend is downloading one and sending it to your spouse, saying, <laughs> I think I'm acting as the Holy Spirit here on this one. Um, if this doesn't work for you and technology is not your friend, uh, we're going to post it on the Facebook link, on the Facebook, the Cole's Facebook page, so you can go ahead and follow it there. And if you have any questions, uh, David and I would love to help you out with that. So as, as you consider the new year, 
Before you pick the fruit, here's what I want you to ask. Same question I asked you in the beginning. God, what change do you want to bring about in my life? God, what are you after? God, what are you chasing? And would you give it to him? And I bet you what you'd find is the very things that your heart has been craving all along. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you that not only did you see us in our broken state, and you moved towards us. God, but you paid the penalty of our sin. You made a way for us to be in right relationship with you. And you didn't stop there. You knew we needed help in living out that relationship and living out a changed life. And so you gave us your Holy Spirit to live that changed life. God, I thank you. I pray that right now, in this moment, we would know that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are not against us. I pray that we as your people would be uh, responsive when you convict us. That if we're here and, and you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you're listening to this and you felt some of that pull to, to bring about or to see change in your life, that God wants that for you. We would love to have a conversation with you about what that looks like. God, we need you and we're thankful that we have you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.